Welcome to Deviate to Win, a podcast featuring business leaders who've won by going in a different direction from everybody else. With your host, Jason Ader. This podcast is meant to be used for informational purposes only and not investment advice. Hosts and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed. All opinions on Deviate to Win are the opinions of the host and guest and do not represent those of Spring Owl Asset Management. This is the Deviate to Win podcast based on the book, Deviate to Win. I'm Jason Ader. Very excited today to introduce our guest, Rachel Glass, founder and CEO of Gloss Lab. Probably the most exciting startup new business I've seen in quite a long time. I asked Rachel to be on the show because I really feel she epitomizes the entrepreneurial spirit of deviating from the norm and creating a winning business. And I think she's sitting on a billion dollar business. I can't wait for her to talk about, you know, everything that she's doing. So Rachel, welcome to, uh, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, um, not everybody's familiar with Gloss Lab, um, but it's becoming hard not to have heard about it if, if you're just, you know, anywhere near social media or the newspaper or TV. Uh, so would love you to, to take a couple seconds and explain your business to everybody who's not familiar with it and then, you know, look forward to taking it from there. Yeah, for sure. So I, um, I, you know, I like to think of my manicure sort of as my product. I worked in finance for 10 years and I always felt like a manicure was a part of my week um, to sort of, I believe if you look polished, you feel good. If you feel good, you do good. And I found that it was hard to find really a brand in this space. So Gloss Lab is changing the game in nail salons and creating a brand in the space and really focused on hygiene. So all of our services are completely waterless. Um, we use hospital grade sterilization systems. Um, we have a membership based model, which is unlimited manicures and pedicures for the month. And then really focused on efficiency. I, I like to think of Gloss Lab as an efficient oasis. So it's a really pleasurable experience while you're there, but we like to get you in, out and back to your day. We have three locations in New York City. We're on pace to have about 40 locations um, throughout the country by the end of next year, as well as launching a full line of products. Great, Rachel. Well, thank you. I mean, I'll, I'll, I have to say, I'll never forget. I mean, it's one of the one of my favorite entrepreneurial stories. I mean, seeing you in the middle of the pandemic, and and of course, you know, your your wife, your mom. You were super successful in the finance industry, and 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 so I asked you what these bags were on the floor of your living room, and you said to me, "Well, that's uh, the Gloss Lab uh, fulfillment." And so you, you were you were literally doing this business out of your living room, which is which is just an incredible reflection. I, I'm, you probably don't even remember that, but that's how all the that's how all the best businesses started. I mean, there's a story about Apple um, starting its company out of a garage, and sort of here we are talking about that moment with you. Yes. So. So, you know, you're really, you know, an inspiration to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of female entrepreneurs who have great ideas. They don't really know how to start or where to start and how to take an idea um, and, and execute it. And would love to hear 
like how you made it happen? Because this is obviously something that you thought about and you went from, you know, that moment where there were bags in, in your living room and you reflected upon this being the fulfillment center for your company to now being, you know, well-funded on your way to 40 stores, having a great, you know, cap table, a great list of investors, some, some of whom are celebrities and just a open-ended uh, opportunity to continue to grow. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I think of it as, you know, I, I found in starting this, um, sometimes it's the little things. I worked in finance. I had this idea for years. And really, you know, as far as taking that next step, sometimes it's those little things. And it could be even when you're perhaps working a full-time job, but it's taking little steps to push forward to that goal. And sometimes they feel little in the beginning. When I was initially doing research on nail salons and just gathering data and gathering number and it's a, numbers. It's a very fragmented industry. I initially hired task rabbits to stand outside of nail salons and count the amount of people coming in and out of nail salons at certain hours of certain days. And that's how I built our first model. So at the time, I felt pretty crazy doing that, but it's those little steps along the way of just sort of putting ideas into action um, that lead towards this end goal. Interesting. I mean, most businesses, you know, they do they do market analysis. They spend money on research. You literally went to Task Rabbit and hired people to stand in front, and your 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 market analysis, if you will, was part of it. At least was was something as simple as as that. And so it's incredible. So and so, what did you learn when you did that? I learned when I did that that we had to really analyze the business and the utilization, but looking at every hour of every day. And the other thing I learned is that you know, my initial hunch was this was such a fragmented industry, which is why I saw the white space and saw this, you know, this this opening for a better experience here. Um, but once really looking at the data, there was no data to find. It was this industry where there was no data because it was everything was marked in pen and paper. So there was very little data. Um, and that's how we had to connect, collect data in the beginning. Now, now we have a lot because <laughs> we have our own. Right. And, and w any other market analysis or any other research that you did in, in, in the context of getting things set up? I, I talk to people and I, I still do. And I love really staying as my own customer. And I felt that that's what was missing in the experience of getting a manicure was I felt like it wasn't about the customer. And there were things that we've done at Gloss Lab. We've change the polish wall because you look at a polish wall and it's a bunch of different colors and they're mixed together and the bottles look like they've been sitting there for way too long. So our polish wall is actually like a, a nail tile. It sort of looks like your nail and we have it designed a section. So we have a gloss lab favorite sections where we vetted what is the most popular red? What is the, what do we think is the best red? So you're walking in and yes, you have your selection of many, but we've sort of narrowed that down for you. And there's booking online. So each piece of it is super easy um, and seamless. And, you know, I really just try to stay true to being that customer because I think that's the best way to do research. Like what, what are the pain points of this industry and how can we make it better? So, so you mentioned, you know, a key, a, a key aspect to success in, uh, in, in those comments and, and it related to people. And uh, of course, there was you and the idea and the research, and obviously you've grown your team. And I see on your your website, uh, you're you're hiring. And so let, let's talk a little bit about people, um, you know, because you've obviously built you know a great team underneath you to get to where you are. 
Uh, who was your first hire how to, and, and how, are you, how are you thinking about uh, team building at, at this stage of your rapid growth? Uh, team, I think people are um, the best part and the hardest part all in one. I'm, I'm sure many would agree with that. Um, we, I'm very fortunate to have an amazing group of, of advisors um, with many who have have built similar businesses, brand built businesses with brands with membership models. Um, our as far as our team, you know, I very much believe, you know, when when you start, you think you can do everything. Um, you can't. Um, I I like to hire, you know, and sort of started hiring for my weaknesses. So my first hire um, was a very seasoned hire with operations and really running things on the store level, which I did not have experience with. Um, and she's been instrumental in our growth, um, as well as hiring for marketing and really for management of people. So, so it sounds like, you know, your advice to, to entrepreneurs who look at your success and want to figure out how they can be like you is to, is in terms of people, Think about your hires, because in the early stage of a business, who you hire is so critically important. Hire for your weakness. That's that's a, that's a great piece of advice. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Tell us a little bit about your advisory board. I know, I know Andy's on your board. He must be a great partner, a lot of fun, who has had amazing successes. Who, 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 who else, you know, you working with that's been helpful? Um, so Andy Stenzler's on our board. He's one of the founders of Rumble, um, as well as Kidville and several other businesses. He's been instrumental in our growth. Um, he his experience with building brands and four wall is is unparalleled. Um, MJ Bass is another advisor, and he's um, as well a serial entrepreneur and investor. Um, that you know, just just pulling from other companies um, and other experiences, everything everything feeds together, and that's been really helpful with our growth. Um, and then you know, several others who are involved in different ways. We have a, a dermatologist on our board. Um, I like to I think of myself as a lifelong germaphobe. COVID sort of confirmed everything I've been scared of my whole life, um, and everything is vetted through through dermatologists. Um, you know, as far as the products we're using, our, our methods of cleaning. Um, so really keeping that top level all the time. And how do you, and, and I think, you know, for a founder of a business who is able to assemble a, you know, any sort of advisory board, how do you guys communicate? How do, you know, what do you, are, are you on Slack? Are you do regular Zoom calls? What, what's the way, or, or just one-on-one? -on -one? What, what's, what's been, you know, the, the pattern for, for, for Gloss Lab? I would say in tr this is probably true startup nature, but all of the above. So Slack, text, email, in-person, Zoom, all of the above. At, at this point, we have a bit of a cadence of really having weekly meetings sort of based on topic, um, if it's finance, if it's marketing. Um, but, but given the pace of which things are going, everything's happening every day. Right. So... Um, you know, the other the other issue as it relates to people, you know, and we're reading about it every day. I mean, it, the job market is in a very unique position. You've got a lot of people um, still at home. You know, hiring has gotten complicated, harder. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, how what, what your thoughts are as it relates to the job market, how you're getting people to work for the company and, and some of the challenges that you're seeing. Yeah. As, you know, as I said earlier, I think people is the is the most fun, but also the hardest part. Um, we have been really fortunate and, you know, to have a staff and I really think of it as a family at Gloss Lab. Um, when I set out to start Gloss Lab, I based it on empowerment. 
and really felt like empowerment. You know, you get a manicure, you feel empowered, um, but from the inside, from the inside out. And I felt that what was so disconnected in this industry was there really wasn't a career path for nail technicians. Um, it was a very much an hourly wage job. And at Gloss Lab, we really are changing that and creating a career career path for our nail technicians. So putting them on this path where they can get promoted, they're learning. We're doing trainings all the time on hygiene, on nail technique, on nail art, and really creating that path forward. Um, so really we've been very fortunate, I would say unlike other industries in the pandemic to have been able to fortunately maintain our staff and keep our staff and keep our staff happy and able to attract new talent as we're opening new locations. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, you know, you look, you've mentioned hygiene, you know, a couple of times. And, and and of course, we're all thinking about it now with, with COVID. Um, I just took my first uh, transatlantic flight over <laughs> the last couple of days. I remember it when airplanes used to be absolutely filthy. And, and you know, all American was doing was bragging in a good way that uh, they're recirculating the entire air um, every two minutes. The plane was like unbelievably clean, maybe flying on a going forward basis um, will never be as what it was and, and it will always be for the better. I'm hopeful that's the case. I think everybody is. Um, so, I mean, talk to us a little bit about hygiene and, 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 and that, that's something that I think people have thought about for a long time with respect to, um, manicures, um, and, and, and doing it the way you're doing it does seem unique, but everybody's changing the mold there. Is, is that, do you, do you view that as really a point of differentiation? And if not, how do you, you know, where do you see your, 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 your competitive advantage versus others? Yeah. So we, you know, the ethos of Gloss Lab and this, this is pre-COVID was hygiene from day one. So this was very much from day one. I did tons of research, including going to nail technician training school as part of my research for Gloss Lab. I wanted to really get under the hood of the industry. And I found that very little is taught prior to, prior to working in a nail salon about hygiene. So with Gloss Lab, we, we teach this from day one. It's really part of our ethos, part of our system. Um, we have hospital grade sterilizers. So we use autoclaves. The tools come out similar to how they would come out at your doctor or your dentist office. Um, super, super clean. Like I like to say you could put them in your mouth. They're that clean. Um, we, all of our services are waterless. So really in the industry, you typically go to nail salons where there are tubs of water and water is really just a breeding ground for germs and bacteria, no matter how much it's cleaned. So when I opened Gloss Lab from day one, eliminated water altogether. Water also changes the shape of your nail, so the polish doesn't apply as well. And it really just opens up the opportunity for infection and germs. So we've eliminated that entirely. So that that has been really from the beginning and we're you know constantly staying on is that are there things that we can do, um, you know, to, to, to just maintain this from the service to even the full experience. I, I joke that my favorite Tribeca is our most recent store opening and I put something on the door. So when you're leaving, you can touch it with your foot to open the door, which I love as a germaphobe because you don't have to touch the door. And then you also don't mess up your manicure, but looking even at, at little ways, which to me is not so little, um, uh, of just maintaining this hygiene across the board. 
Yeah, I've seen I've seen those uh, devices on the door. It's great. You know, doorknobs uh, never 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 uh, pre-COVID were were my favorite places either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so well, that, that's that's fascinating. And 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 so you made reference to your first store. If, if I recall, your first store you know was a couple of years ago. It was it was it was inside a hair salon. Is that was that the beginning is of of how the business essentially started? How, how did talk about that? That opening that first store—that's like the the hardest thing for someone who has a store-based model to go from idea to opening the fir first store. We'd, we'd love to hear more about that experience. Yeah, hundred percent. So I I really wanted to I, I bootstrapped the business. I really wanted to open one location without pre-raising money. So I initially opened as a pop-up inside of inside of a pre-existing business, um, then expanded to two full locations. Um, and then recently did a capital raise um, at the end of last year. Um, and that was to open our third location as well as these additional locations and product. Got it. Um, well, look, that, look, that's that's always, uh, you know, the hardest uh, to, to sort of open up. And it's fascinating. And, it's, and you made reference to a, a capital raise there. I think you're being modest. It's, it's, it's from what I read, it sounds like you have great investors and some real celebrity investors. So what does that feel like? I mean, real uh, people investing in your business that, uh, you know, is, was really been your baby since you started. We do. We have, um, we have amazing, I'm so fortunate to have amazing investors. I like to think of it as, as a, a party of investors. You got it. We have investors who are titans in the financial industry. Um, we have professional athletes across multiple sports. Um, the chain smokers are invested. Um, we have a lot of a lot of amazing investors that really can just add so much value and just be a part of this really fun ride. And I feel really fortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a really impressive list, and you should uh, be very proud of 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 what you've been able to uh, accomplish. And so, uh, I mean, it's, it seems like you you certainly have enough capital now to get to the targeted forty locations. Um, how do you go about choosing those locations? Um, I would think location is is critical, and I see expanding in Maryland and in Florida. So site selection is, I mean, I think Apple does it as good as anybody. How, how does Gloss Lab do it? Yeah, so we, um, a couple things. I mean, I think of nails as convenience. So it's really not a destination. It's really convenience driven. So we like to go to cities and open multiple locations in a city. So we're really targeting fewer markets, but with more locations. New York City alone has over 4,000 nail salons. Um, I think the opportunity for Gloss Lab in New York City um, is, is somewhat seemingly somewhat endless at this point, because I don't know how soon we're getting to 4,000 here. Um, but we really like to go to cities. So our next two cities are DC and Miami. In both of those locations, we are launching with five locations in both, especially with our membership model. It really works best um, when we have multiple locations within an area. Um, but when I think of it, uh, again, really as a convenience. So where are you going to pick up your salad, go to the gym, get a coffee, get a manicure? I think of it sort of in that, like a day in the life. Sure. I mean, you know, the offset to that is usually the most convenient places are the highest priced places, too. And so we're, how do you strike, you know, entrepreneurial, the balance between having limited resources and, and wanting to be in a convenient location, uh, but the most convenient locations are the highest price locations? 
Yes, we, um, you know, I mean, post COVID, um, we had, we had a, a good situation as far as signing leases. Um, as the world turns, I would say we still have a really good opportunity, um, but we also have a small footprint. So our average store space is about a thousand square feet. Um, and we're able to, to really just find unique, unique opportunities because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, let's talk about your pricing and the subscription-based model. I mean, it's, it's, it's really ingenious when you, when you reflect on it, subscription-based manicures, nobody's done it before. And, uh, so how did you come up with that idea and, and what, what companies or what businesses inspired you to do that? We, we all know Equinox and we all know other subscription-based businesses, but you're applying it in a way that nobody's thought to do it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I always found, like I said, a manicure sort of being like an errand. I would, I would sit in finance offices where they would, you know, they would offer shoe shines in the office. And I would think this would be so great if this was a manicure. It was something that I did weekly, a pedicure at least two to three times a month. And in starting Gloss Lab, we've had membership since day one. I really felt like it lent itself to membership because it was something that people were doing on a very consistent basis. Um, and it's really designed... Um, to be, I don't want to say a price savings, but a really fair price. If you're, it's $135 a month for unlimited manicures and pedicures. So if you're typically getting a manicure a week and a pedicure, say every other week, um, it really, this membership model makes sense. Um, I approached it really from an efficiency standpoint. So I love being able to get into an Uber and get out of an Uber and there's no payment exchanged and really wanted the same thing for a manicure. Um, not to mention that your nails are wet at the end of a manicure. So you really don't want to be paying in any, <laughs> any sort of way. Um, so the membership model just um, really lent itself to efficiency here. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And, and uh, I mean, virtually, you know, must, must be, a, I, would, I would imagine that those prices and that value that yes, essentially all of your customers have mo moved to that model pretty quickly. We have about about 50% of our business is membership and about 50% is non-member. So 50% is a la carte services. Mm -hmm. And and you're, you're also making your own products now as well? So We are. So we yeah. have manicure kits and then we're launching a full line of nail polish, hand cream, foot cream, um, and more in, in early 2022. Yeah, well, that, that sounds super exciting. And that's really, from my perspective, where this becomes extraordinarily valuable to the strategics that like to acquire, you know, businesses like yes. this. So, so talk a little bit about that. I mean, that's a, it gets very competitive as, as you move into that model. So how are you thinking about, about sourcing quality products? Um, the, the element of not just not hygiene, but the natural in, ingredients, uh, where do you, where do you pricing? How are you looking to differentiate yourself you know, as, as, as the business evolves. So when I, when I started Gloss Lab, I found the, the white space being in the experience of getting a manicure. I didn't feel like there necessarily needed to be another bottle of polish on a shelf. The, the experience really for, you know, the experience really for me was what was lacking. In moving into products, I've approached products really from that same lens of how do we make this experience better? And with the, the nail polish itself, we have been developing a formula for the past year and it's super quick drying. So it dries in five minutes. It lasts a long time. 
it, it, it checks all the boxes of natural, clean. Um, and it's a really great experience of using the polish. Um, and it's an efficient, it's efficient because it, it dries quickly and lasts a long time. Um, so really making sure that we had both the clean and performance piece. And that goes across all of our products, hand masks, foot masks, hand cream, foot cream, really making sure that it's, you know, the product is doing something and, and really working. So, so, how, so, it, so you, I assume you're very involved in that process. And, and, and so what, how does it work? So the suppliers will come in and, and, and you'll, you'll give a, you know, description like you just gave to us. And then, you know, you'll, um, tinker with various samples and ultimately decide with your team, you know, which direction to go. Exactly. It's with, with a lot more testing and a lot more back and forth, but basically, yes. Yeah. Great. Well, that's, that's exciting. I mean, uh, look, this, this, you, you are um, disrupting a business like you're approaching. It seems like it's, it's long overdue. You're really deviating as, as the podcast says from, uh, the norm and, and, you know, ultimately, you know, that's, that's really at the essence of uh, a value creation. Um, so it's exciting stuff. Um, I, I did notice uh, this par partnership with uh, hotels too, right? So you're starting to move into a little bit into hospitality. At we, we are. So we have, um, we have manicure kits, which I really designed to be like a manicure emergency kit. So it's a top coat, a base coat, a remover wipe. This is a mani in a pinch. Um, as well as nail tools, nail file, um, nail clipper. And we've recently partnered with some hotel groups to provide these as part of mini bars and in hotel rooms, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. Great, great. Um, I mean, as you, as you think about your own career and entrepreneurs that, you know, have inspired you or, or, or women, you know, uh, whether they be in business or, or in politics, like, like who, who's been, who's been your, 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 who's inspired you the most? Who's inspired me the most? Um, I, so I have two young daughters and they, they inspire me every day because I feel like I'm, you know, coming from finance, I'm finally doing something that they, you know, can somewhat understand. Um, but is, you know, I, I like to, I like to think of them and everything that I'm doing. Um, but I, you know, I'm certainly inspired by, women in business. I think Sarah Blakely has been super inspirational to me. She's fantastic and has been such a self-starter and starting this whole new category. Um, and I love, you know, every day just meeting more and more women doing um, similar things to what I'm doing. Yeah. It's been a, been a great success uh, for her as well. And, uh, you know, we, we all have, you know, companies that, that we look up to and admire. So, I mean, even, even more, you know, around the, healthcare related, uh, personal welfare related space. I mean, you know, what, what, what companies that you see out there that you think are just doing a, a great job that are, that are deviating to win, obviously, uh, with Andy, I mean, rumble has just been a, you know, a, a, you know, knock it out of the park, uh, success. Nobody has done it like him. Um, is there anyone else that you see that you think is just doing things differently like you? Um, I have, you know, I think that there's really, there's some others that are, I, I would like to call it sort of this category disruptor. Um, I think there's a company called Alchemy 43. The founder's name is Nikki Levy, and she's disrupting the, the market for facial injections and Botox. And she's really doing a fantastic job. 
Um, and there's, um, it, it's super exciting to, to see others in this space and really taking on key parts of the market and, and just, just making them easier and cleaner and better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I've always found that uh, successful entrepreneurs, successful leaders do root uh, for the success of others around them, you know, and uh, we, we always, you know, used to cheer uh, for the success of everybody in Las Vegas, because uh, uh, what helped uh, them helped the town and helped everybody. So uh, success around your industry, you know, just, uh, you know, ultimately helps, uh, helps Gloss Lab and helps uh, you as, as, as well. Um, well, this is all really, uh, really exciting stuff, uh, Rachel, and, and I really appreciate you, you know, coming on the podcast. We're excited to connect with you, touch base, hear about what you're doing. We're going to be following uh, your business success and developments and, and uh, you know, really, really looking uh, forward to seeing you. Uh, you're, you really epitomize uh, the whole concept of deviating to win. So thanks for taking the time to do this with us today. Amazing. Thank you for having me. This was such a such a fun um, afternoon talking to you, Jason. Great. Take care. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. If you've enjoyed the conversation, leave a review and subscribe to Deviate to Win to be alerted to future episodes. Jason's book, Deviate to Win, Insights from a Turnaround Investor, can be found on Amazon.